0: Welcome to yet another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today, we have a very, very special guest. His name is Dale Dupree. Now, Dale's had a real impact on LinkedIn, sharing his story. He's one of the most real and authentic people that worked that's been in sales and is now a trainer, consultant, founder of the Sales Rebellion, copier warrior. Um, Dale, welcome to the show
1: thanks so much for having me on
0: you have a really interesting journey so you started off in I think it was in pre-2017 you decided to make a huge change you lost your dad you were in the copier industry for another two years and then you founded the sales rebellion do you want to talk us through sort of first off your sales journey and some of the key motivators that, that got you where you are today
1: I'm happy to. and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Really, the story starts in 1984 when my father made a choice to lead the big box store that he was, at the time, working at. Um, yeah. He was in disagreement with a lot of the things that were happening inside of the organization, such as a lack of attention to customers, a a quote-unquote gold standard of service that felt like you know, a third party, you know, third world country was, you know, helping, you know, each and every single customer. And my dad felt that people deserve something much better. And and so he took a leap of faith and he started his own business, which is the same place I ended up, you know, so, so I was born a year later, right? And people say that, that, that whole destiny thing was started, and toner was running through my veins from the moment I was born, and and really my my journey begins as a child wandering the halls of his business and learning the identity of what entrepreneurship really looked like from the perspective of the small business uh, window that I was looking through. You know, today we 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 call it, uh, you know, going back to what startups look like today or founders you know we, we label people founders in this day and age like my dad was like the og version of that in the in the 80s in the copyright world and and part of a movement in the copyright world as well too because the at the time it was just a kind of a bunch of big box stores and he was one of the few people that decided hey i i'm just gonna do this on my own and figure this out uh which you know evolved over time and 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 more people became single line distributors or multi line distributors instead of just being the manufacturer uh, which I think is a really fun part of my father's story that he was kind of at the the forefront of that type of business model and transition of business model. But I digress. What, what it did for me again is it just gave me a look into business and 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 that identity of of happiness as we as we seek it and search for it instead of just hey I want to work somewhere make money and pay my bills, but hey I want to ultimately be very excited about what I do, be very happy with what I do. And and do something also that impacts the community around me as well, which my father taught me very distinctly throughout those years. My my actual sales career started at 17. I pursued music and was signed to a major record label. I actually started with Pluto Records, and then which is an indie label that housed some pretty big bands. And then I ended up on Warner Brothers Records. And I toured all over the country with six other smelly, sweaty dudes. And it had a blast every single night. I was in front of just a bunch of strange people though, right? So from a sales perspective, every single day that you're making a cold call, sending a cold email, introducing yourself to someone that has no idea who you are, I was doing that, you know, in essence, in a different type of way as an entertainer. And so I had to capture people's attention. I had to cause curiosity. I had to interrupt the typical patterns of what people were used to and be something worth their time and attention altogether. So I learned you know, through my father and his business, but also through my own actions as an entertainer in the music industry. And eventually, around 21, 22 years old, I, I went to work for that business that, you know, I swore I never would. And that toner running through my veins, you know, uh, concept came to fruition. And, and the rest is really history. I spent 13 years in the copier industry. I broke every record, blah, 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 who cares? And then I started... The sales rebellion, because I really felt that we needed to start putting people over products, community over commission checks, and all those other values that we just miss out on from the perspective of what sales really is.
2: That's absolutely incredible. I think from seventeen going in the music industry, you know, learning from your father—that's that, that's a that's a brilliant story. What, what would you say going back to say seventeen-year-old Dale? What would you What would you tell yourself? about, say, sales, looking within the industry, what would, what one lesson would you go back if you had like a DeLorean and tell yourself that this is going to change, you need to learn this, and this is going to help you in the future?
1: It's a good question. I, I answer this a little bit differently than most people, so I apologize if it's not what you're looking for. But I would go back to, to Dale, and I would say nothing different because without the struggles that I went through, without the story that I wrote, and how it is, you know, it, it looks today. I wouldn't be who I am to begin with, and so I, I don't like the identity of of some type of you know shortcut or something. I wish I knew. I, the, if we think that way, then we'll miss out on so much, right? Because if we think if we're like, oh, is this the right thing for us to do, and we ultimately know that it is, where's the fun in that? Number one, and secondly, like, how can we fail throughout the process to find better success? So <laughs> for me, man, I would go back to Dale and be like hey i would tell you something but you're not going to listen anyway and you know i could be the second coming of christ looking you dead in the eyes and you deny me in the first place right so like just do your thing and and you'll end up great
2: i've got to say that's probably the most original answer we've had for that one (laughs) just the answer is absolutely nothing love that
0: and one of the things that I, you know, that really resonates with me, um, Dale, about you is, you know, community, as you said, and people over products, and you've done some really sort of different things to stand out. I think there was one when you were, you know, selling copiers, you you left a box, which was, and, and you think you were the only salesperson to do this, to do something different, because you talk about doing something different and standing out, um, not taking any shortcuts. So you correct me here a little bit on this story, because I did read it a few weeks ago. But you left a box. So you went to visit a prospect, left a box, and you wanted them to put in that box all the terrible things that salespeople do.
1: Yeah, that that uh, there's a couple stories like that. <laughs> so, uh, in particular, I think the one that you're talking about here is is I actually knew I was up against a ton of different copier sales reps, and, and which was very uh, commonplace, to be quite frank with you. And, and but I also believed in giving people very unique and very distinct experiences. And actually the box and the whole concept of the box was was tied back into their business model and things that they would find familiar as well too. So it wasn't this like random thought, you know, from that perspective, it, it differentiated itself, but it also created a big piece of the puzzle here is that created familiarity. And, a, and the familiarity piece is a big puzzle piece that I believe that so many salespeople miss out on. They say something like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something wild and wacky and crazy and they send it and sure it gets attention, but it's not always relevant or familiar to the person that they're sending it to in regards to the messaging, how you wanna tie it in. Right. So like for example, I'll give you a, a good example. We have some rebels right now that send out cutting boards and you'd be like, What is that? Well, <laughs> we we send out cutting boards, and what they do is they they have inscribed in these cutting boards or shaped, you know, they have the cutting board shaped to be something very specific to the person that they're sending them to so that when they get it, they go, first off, they go, wow, this is really unique. And this person, you know, did a little bit of legwork to understand me to some capacity. Okay. We're not trying to, to expose, you know, things like, Hey, I know you have 17 kids and you've, you've been around the world 14 times. Like we don't need to know every single detail about somebody, but something that drives them from that perspective of the motivators that that create that purpose concept around what it is that they're doing in life is important. And so that these cutting boards signify something that's important to them and purposeful, right, and very intentional as well, too. And then there's a little note with it that says, hey, uh, recipes to come, but for now, uh, would you like to carve out some time with me to talk more about how X, Y, and Z, right? So, so – when someone gets that sure there's like that that message of the pitch right but at the same time it's very hard for someone to say that you didn't make an effort to get this done right instead of just like going down to things remembered and buying a random box and you know with a piece of jewelry in it and sending it to me right you really intentionally put something together here so it's not just about standing out it's about connecting with people for us and that the rebellion that's Thing that we preach, we teach, and that we live by ourselves in all cases. I
2: was, I was going to ask: Is there going to be a marketing rebellion on the way? That'd be that'd be a good one next.
1: Yeah. You, well, you know, there were like the same time we launched the sales rebellion. There was actually a gentleman that that launched a mark a quote unquote marketing rebellion. I think it, it's a book that he put out, right? And I've never <laughs> read it, but I've heard that it, it's it's awesome. I should probably meet the dude. But but yeah, we we rebel in the marketing and sales world every day. We believe that the two of those things are very much the same.
2: Mm. So, talking about kind of the, the marketing and sales rebellion, if we're looking at both camps, how how do you think they could rebel together? What what could they be better aligned at from your experience?
0: And I just want to, before you answer this, Dale, I saw on your LinkedIn that you actually have put five things that sales and marketing departments can align on better. So, yeah, we perfect you know, like <laughs> curiosity and experience, um and obviously moments of differentiation. So these are some of them. What else do you think? For the future, you know how, how are you seeing the sales and marketing game changing?
1: you know i I think a big gap is that when you're in a marketing funnel as an example, I hate using words like this by the way. the word "funnel" makes me cringe um, thinking about being like shoved through something to get to the bottom just like makes me feel gross but but if i'm if I'm in a marketing funnel as an example, I know that I'm in a marketing funnel as a as a buyer or a prospective uh client. So I, I know that I'm in that marketing funnel. If I'm in a sales funnel, I know that I'm in a sales funnel. And I know the difference between the two. You know, oh, we have kind of like cultured this, this outcome through individualizing these departments instead of nuancing how they work very closely and 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 really transparently together. Just like marketing is is, you know, one of the big pieces is from my perspective at least, it's about awareness, it's about reputation, and it's about brand right? So it's about this buy-in concept. So is sales, right? Sales is the same thing. And the, the problem to me is that so many people, they, they there's too much comfort. At, I, what I should say is there's too many people trying to seek comfort in the way that they define sales or they define marketing. Oh no, marketing is this way. Oh no, sales is this way. Listen, everybody listening, all, all that is just preference. All that is something that makes someone feel good That that's at the helm of the ship. What would your buyers say? What what does the general population and public say? Not not a quote unquote expert or guru in the industry, but what is the actual experience that people are having? What that feedback looks like? And The problem is, oh. is that nobody really nobody really goes and finds that information. The Copier Warrior did for sure. I mean, I, I I lose a deal, and I would literally scratch and claw at your door to have you tell me exactly what I could have done better, but not from the perspective of uh, me 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 me, but but from the perspective of what would you have you know enjoyed differently that you did with the other organizations that you can give me some advice on or help me understand better and you know what yeah. what i think the 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 end the end result here is that marketing and sales because they have they're separated to an extent right they they each have their own agenda of what they're trying to accomplish and because of that it becomes convoluted but instead if marketing sought to serve and sales sought to serve and we and we disconnected from these outcomes that we constantly push for. Instead, just just believed in what we're doing and and had a servant leadership mindset through our, in our actions, right? Because those speak much louder than words. I believe that we would have a better existence not just between the the, the two departments, but also for the buying community, right? I'm a buyer, you know. I, I'm sure Charlotte's a buyer to an extent as well, too. We're not just People that are in sales, right, we we get it as well. Like if I walk into a store or somebody calls me on the phone, there's a preference that I have or or something that I'm specifically looking for or a way to feel because I'm just a human at the end of the day. And and we have created this convolution between the two departments because we we have all this science on both ends that says, oh, well, this is how you do marketing and this is how you do sales, when, when really what we're doing is just callousing the buyer. Right. So we're doing things over and over again that are just causing them to disconnect and feel numb toward what's happening. And and furthermore, we're also we're we're lying to ourselves about what sales and marketing is in the first place. I think it goes deeper than just the alignment of the departments. I think it goes all the way down to like the morals, the ethics, the vision and, and the outlook of the individuals that are running those departments. Do they even care? Does marketing even care what sales is doing? Does sales even care what marketing is doing? Those are those are more like the foundational questions. I think people have to ask before they can get to the alignment side, which is, you know, curiosity It's radical education. It's, it's giving people experiences through both. So if marketing gives a really good experience to somebody, right? Like let's just take the crumpled letter. For example, we send a crumpled letter out. It's a piece of paper, all wrinkled up. You open it up. It says, Hey, 90% of the sales and marketing pitches you get are trash and you throw them away anyway. So this one's pre crumpled to make it easier on your time and, and the energy you spend. Right. So, and, and that's just, you know, from the experiential standpoint, that's just the example of, a, of what we're trying to do from a connection standpoint and how we're differentiating ourselves. But if the salesperson then – if there's a meeting set and the salesperson then just pitches and barfs all over the the, the client when they come into the <laughs> discovery call. And there's nothing there that's cultivating a, a nuanced relationship between the experiences, right? And because you're not cultivating those things, you're going to lose that sale and you're going to lose the the integrity of, of, of what you're trying to build. From a reputation standpoint, because people are going to go, yeah, their marketing department's really cool, but the rest of them are just a bunch of dopes.
0: Absolutely, and it's being genuine, isn't it, and authentic, and really caring about what you do—not just as a salesperson, but also as a marketing person—which is going to drive your success ultimately. And you know, the content that you put out there on LinkedIn—you are, I would say, perhaps the most authentic and real person who tells your story. Sail beyond the sea of sameness—it's one of the, the the quotes that you have, which I really like. I want to sort of turn now. So what we've been talking about with sales and marketing lineman on his head, what do you think that should stop, Dale, in sales and marketing tomorrow?
1: My God, my I think my head just exploded <laughs> when you asked, like <laughs> instantly when you asked that question. I think the agenda that we lead with, right, the majority of people, the agenda that they lead with in sales and marketing is they're trying to get someone to buy something. It's not what either department should be focused on. It's not what a good relationship between a vendor and their prospective client that they seek to serve. Should be founded on it should be founded on how can I help it should be founded on how can you and I build a business relationship with one another and I and how can I not be a transaction or something that is uh, forgettable <laughs> after we're done right or throughout our process even right i I, I really feel that both particular departments have a, a unique opportunity to create and cause impact to to deliver undeniable curiosity for people and give them an experience that they'll never forget, which translates back into their life. It doesn't just say, Oh man, I had this really cool vendor one time. It causes them to, to, to have a better existence inside of their organization, especially when we get to that helping portion and we do serve them in some capacity, fix something to some capacity and, and deliver on those promises. Again, it it's a, it's, it is a, a, a way to influence People to think differently about more than just the product and the service that we're providing, but about their lives, about their leadership, about what they're doing instead of their organizations. I, I, I mean, I've I've experienced that my whole life. When my father passed away in 2016, at his funeral, the best example shown was shown on that day. at the when I gave the eulogy, when I looked up and there was over a thousand people in a room that held like 800, 900 people max. Right there's people standing, sitting in laps, who wind out the back door just to pay respect to my dad. And, and I didn't wow. recognize half the people in there. And I thought, man, maybe these are just like high school, college buddies. I mean, I knew most of those people, though. So it was it was kind of bewildering. And then at, at, for the next six hours after I was done with the eulogy, literally six hours, every single individual person, for the most part, came up to me and my family to give condolences. And they told stories about how they knew my dad and the majority of those people were his clients. They were people that that maybe we knew, maybe we didn't, right? But they had stories like you have never, I'm telling you right now, if I could write a book about all the stories that I was told, it would be a Lord of the Rings novel. And it would be something (laughs) that would blow your mind. And to me, that is the opportunity that we have in sales and marketing that we're missing on a daily basis.
2: That's quite nice. It's it's a nice combination of, you know, the the quality and the relationship building piece. But as you're saying, 800 people, there's the quantity there as well. That's incredible to kind of have that impact on that many people. And normally when you have those types of relationships, it feels very one-to-one. But to do it on that kind of scale is nothing short of incredible.
0: You talk a lot, Dale, about legacy and, you know, your father's legacy. It's continuing that legacy. You shared a story on LinkedIn as well recently where, I think you went out with him. you were accompanied him on one of his it was actually a meeting. I think he, you thought he was meeting a friend, but this friend turned out to then want to sign the contract with him and buy buy the product. but he wasn't selling the product at all, right.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, that was an interesting moment for me in my life. I, I still remember it very vividly. There's a lot of things I remember very vividly about my dad and the things and the, the, I should say, the activities or the instances of being able to impact people that, that he took me through. And, and he, and he didn't prepare me for those things in, in a way that I think most people get prepared for. Hey, so we're going to meet this guy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I mean, it was just like my dad was so casual, nonchalant, and his focus was always on how can I just meet someone where they are? And, yeah. and and what is their need? Right. So, yeah, we did. We met up with this guy for for a coffee at this little breakfast spot. And and it was a really interesting conversation for a solid like hour, 45 minutes or so that him and my dad just bullshitted and had a really good time. <laughs> and it was and, and honestly, I thought I was like, how have I never met this guy? Like, you know, I I was like. This guy seems like he's known my dad forever. And, and by the end of it, you know, all right, Curtis, so tell me a little bit more about the copier. The copier. And, and uh, by the way, I brought my contracts and pulls out. I mean, it was insane. And, and and as I got deeper into the industry and I really understood like the fact that I couldn't replicate that in a day, in a week, in a month, that like you had to play the long game. You had to be intentional. You had to want to provide experiences that were much different than the typical salesperson. That, it, it, it came to fruition in that moment, right? when I when I experienced it with them as I was learning, but man, it was a reality check when I was doing it by myself. And I was thinking, how do I get to that place? How do I how do I do that? And really there's there is no script or playbook, right? Is what I've I've also found out over the course of my life. And and my dad always laughed at me when I would say things like, Yeah, I'm trying to kind of like do it like you do. And what would you suggest? And he'd just laugh and say, Dale, either you're authentically willing to serve people and, and to be yourself and to show up and meet folks where they are and provide that expertise and you know through that knowledge through that experience through that belief in yourself or not like it's it's kind of just that's just it buddy and and so you have to cultivate this on in your own way you have to think about the way that you've cultivated relationships leading up to this and you've got to say this is a commitment and either i'm gonna I'm gonna be in it or not and and then my dad also told me in those moments he said listen in the process of doing this, you're going to hear people say things to you that that are that are going to be you know along the lines of without you know actually verbatim being this that they don't need friends right in their business. You're going to feel that way about the way that you approach people, but that's not the point. What people need is they need a servant leader, and that and that that transcends a friend, that transcends a salesperson. That that is something ultimately that focuses on the not just the long term here on earth, but from the perspective of your time and existence, but what's next, what will the next generation say about you, right? How will that pass on beyond just that moment? And, and so for me, that, that was a pretty big moment in my sales career, for sure, and it and it really helped me to understand what it is that people truly desire.
2: Mm, it's kind of mixing the the old business tactics with the new, there. So, Dale, we're coming up to nearly the end of our allotted time. We normally ask kind of each each one of our guests to come up with one one tip for the audience or one key takeaway. And yeah, you've gone through a number of things, but what would you say is kind of the one tip you want the audience to listen to and take away from from this chat?
1: I mean, honestly, I would I would tell people that that are listening just based on this conversation. To me, like when when we're out being salespeople as an example, we're typically not being as genuine as we say that we wanna be, right? And so beyond the tactics of what people are hearing right right now during this conversation, but beyond my story even that you're hearing and thinking, well, like Dale has all this unique stuff and this is why he's you know has the success that he has like any of you can replicate this in your own way through your own unique story as well too but it's about that genuine empathetic mindfulness that you carry as a rebel into your sales career and i I hope that that's what people are hearing more so than anything else to be very blunt i feel we don't do that enough as people that if we're sitting somewhere and we're watching a person struggle to back their car and you know parallel park right we're sitting there and in our head making fun of them and laughing, you know, who's the person that will stand up and walk out there and knock on the window and say, can I help you? Can I help you do that? I'm pretty good yeah. at this. All right. Like we, we, as people in general are too timid. We are afraid of, Oh, I can't say that to the, to the buyer. They, what would, what how would that make them feel? What would they think? Well, is it raw and genuine and is it the honest truth and blunt, you know, uh, moment that they need and <laughs> that in that instance, then give it to them, right? Be that thing for them, whether they buy from you or not. You have absolutely have the opportunity every day to impact people beyond the sale, to cause change in the way people think, and the way people function, and the way people do business. And for anybody out there that hears things like that and goes, "Okay, Dale, in your you know fairy tale land with your skittles and your rainbows and your unicorns, good for you." I don't really care if that's your attitude or your outlook on it, to be quite frank. What I care about, though, is the identity of what it is that you'll take from what I'm saying into your own life. You don't have to be as fluffy as I am, right, is what I'm saying here. I'm saying that you need to be principles in the way that you approach these things. And whether you believe it or not, I don't know that my dad knew that in 2016 when he passed away, what would, what would happen? I don't know that he that he thought... The attorney who he sold a copy or two who told me after the, the the funeral, hey, your dad let me sleep on your couch for three weeks because I had gotten a DUI and he was installing the copy machine and saw that I had made a bed out of the couch of the office and inquired, you know, who sleeps here and what's going on and, and served me in my life. I don't think my dad was like, oh, that guy's going to show up at my funeral, right? Or, oh, I'm going to change yeah. that man's life. I think my dad thought I'm going to meet this person where he is. And so again, if you at the end of the day, if you hear any anything that you take out of this from my own perspective, right, and the things that I would like for people to hear would be to be you, to, to go out and and think bigger than I have a hundred dials today, but to think I have the opportunity to be able to impact the lives of people on each one of these calls that I make. And and to to take that genuine, that empathetic and that mindful characteristic of a salesperson that most of us shy away from into your conversations into your interactions into your success because that is what choosing legendary is all about and that will create a legacy that is worth leaving
0: absolutely love it and as you say you sort of live radically in your expertise and become something desirable that provides value beyond the surface level I have so many other questions that I want to ask you and conscious that we probably need to do another episode change the freaking game so it's one of your mantras Tell us, Dale, where can people find you?
1: They can literally go to Google and type in Dale Free and you can find so much stuff. However, <laughs> you can also go to salesrebellion.com. You can head to linkedin.com backslash I am backslash copy warrior for daily content. I'm on every social channel. So is the Sales Rebellion at Sales Rebellion to find us. Come hang. We uh, we would love to have people as uh, part of our community and to build this the sales kingdom that, that the community deserves.
0: And we'll see you all on the next episode. Don't forget to leave us a review, give us a star rating, give us your feedback. We always want to hear from you. See you on the next episode.
2: Thanks, Dale. Cheers.